Hello, everybody. So this share on the, the inner mechanics of the Torah, this is the sixth one that we're giving. And this one is about the secrets of the Aleph base. And obviously this is a very, very huge topic. And um, this is a very um, huge topic and no way in the world we would be able to cover this all in one shear. <clears throat> the learning, learning Aleph Beis, even simply learning the letters themselves, just Aleph Beis, Gimel Dalet, hey, is Limud Hatar. I saw that Ravaran Leib Steinman Zetzal was asked if learning Aleph Beis constitutes Limud Hatar so much so that you would need to say Birchas um, before you begin Aleph Beis. So he said it is, and he proved it from a Mishnah in Perkyavis. The Mishnah in the sixth parak says that if someone learns from his friend one parak, one chapter, one halacha, one pasik, one dibur echad, one statement, or even one letter, he has to treat him with respect. And the Mishnah then proves that from David HaMelech and Achitaifel. But it says, even if he only learns one letter. So you see that even just learning a letter is considered learning Torah. They asked him, maybe that means that you taught a person the correct letter within a word that changed the spelling of the whole word and thereby helped him understand the word, which helped him understand perhaps the whole concept. So it's not that you taught him one letter, but you taught him a concept and he disagreed. He said, that's not the pshat. I think though some of Arshim and Perkyavis do say that's the pshat. But he, uh, he, he understood from this mission in Perkyavis that Ephel Aisachas, even teaching one letter, is considered limited Torah, and you're required to make Birchus um, Torah even just to read through your Aleph Bina. Now, we're certainly learning a lot more than just the, the letters of the Aleph base, and there are really, there are a whole svarim written on this topic, numerous svarim written on the topic of, of the secrets of the Aleph base, the, the, the lessons that are within every letter of the, of the Aleph base, and as, as I said, much more than we can possibly um, cover in a shir. There's a whole medrash, actually, that's dedicated to the Aleph base alone. It's called Isis the Rebbe Kiva. And it's all medrashim about the letters of the Aleph base. And in addition, there's a Gemara Masech the Shabbos, Andaf Kuf Dalit Amid Aleph that goes through all the letters of the Alabes, and we're going to try to work a little bit with that Gemara, go through some of it as much as time allows. But in particular, what I want to focus on in this shear is how these understandings of the meaning of each letter of the Alabes, these Midrashim that explain what the letter signifies, actually impacts how the letter needs to be written, how it impacts the halachas of the letter. The, the, the way the letter needs to be formulated in Ksav Ashuris, when you write the Torah, is dependent on what that letter actually is coming to teach you, what that letter means. And it, it gives so much more meaning when you see that letter in the Sefer Torah or in the Mezuzah, uh, what, what, it's, what it's signifying. Like, for example, just give you an example. The letter Shin in Ksav Ashuris. So I'm going to do a share screen. We're going to do a lot of uh, um, screen sharing. Uh, in addition, I'm going to try to share some videos. I never did that before, but I'm hoping that'll work. 
So um, you see here the shin. So the shin in the olive base, when you write it in Xavashuris, not the way you'll find it in your sitter, but in Xavashuris, it has a pointy bottom as the arrow uh, shows over here. It, point, it, it, it needs to be standing on a point. And Mishabura says that this is Ma'akev. If you make the bottom of the shin flat, like you would find in your sitter, a flat bottom shin, it would be puzzle. So now, how do we know that a shin has to be written this way? So there's a very famous statement that the Gemara makes. The Gemara says that sheker ain't le raglayim. The word sheker doesn't have feet. So sheker is falsehood, right? It doesn't have feet uh, to stand on, meaning very literally that each letter that makes up the word sheker, the shin, the kuf, the resh, each letter that makes up the, the word sheker all, all, all doesn't have two feet. The shin stands on a point, as we just demonstrated. The kuf has only one leg that's suspended, and the resh has only one leg. And this comes to teach you that sheker doesn't like kai. Sheker doesn't have, it doesn't, it, it, it can't um, last. It's, it's eventually exposed. A falsehood won't, won't, doesn't have keeping power. Can't fool all the people all the time. So being that the Gemara says that Sheker ain't Lareglaim, and it says that the shin can't have a, a surface to sit on, so we deduce that a shin needs to be pointy on the bottom. And if you therefore draw the shin otherwise, it's not the Tzuras Ha'ais, and it's not going to be kosher. The Gemara then says, in contrast, that MS, truth, is comprised of three letters, Aleph, Mem, and Toph, and each one of those three letters has a very solid surface to stand on. The Aleph has two legs, the Mem has a flat bottom, and the Toph has two legs, that's because MS does last and is supported. The amount of specificity that there is, and detail that there is in each ice of the Aleph base, halachically, uh, is astounding. In the letter Yud alone, Right? We would think that's the smallest and uh, simplest, right? Simplest letter of the Alba's. What is it already? Little thing. The Mishabura writes and points out 10 different things about the letter Yud you have to be careful about. And I'll, I'll, let me show you again here within, in a screen share. You look at this Yud over here. So you'll notice that there's a little pizza surrounded by blue. That's called the Kutzai Shol Yud. There's a little, it has to have this little part that extends downwards. And the Mishabura then goes through 10 different things to be careful about. There's this piece on the bottom, which is the Kutzai Shol Yud. There's the piece that sticks up on top. Then there's the angle, how it has to be written, the angle, how the side has to be written, and so on and so forth, 10 different things. And when he goes through these 10 different points, some of them are ma'akev. Some of them, if you don't have it, the letter is puzzle. If you're missing this little Kutzai Shol Yud, you're missing this little point, it's not kosher. You have to go back and fix it. And then it becomes complicated because when you write um, tefillin and mezuzahs, the halacha is they have to be written kisidron. They have to be written in order. So that means that, let's say, you in the, the yod of Bahaya im shemaya, the yod of Bahaya, you messed it up. You didn't write it quite correctly. And then two lines later, you realized, I didn't get that yod quite right. You can't go back and fix it. It's like kisidron. And that's a big deal. So in every letter of the Alabes, when the Mishmura tells you the halachas, he tells you this halacha is ma'akev. And this halacha, if you don't do it, it's going to be shalai You're not going to be able to go back and fix it. Each aspect, each point, each detail of every level of the Alabes is highly important and has significance, which we're going to see right now. <clears throat> and this requires extreme care on the part of the cipher, because if you mess up with a mezuzah, first of all, 
that's a whole day's work. So that's ex extraordinarily uh, extraordinary amount of effort and time. And in addition, uh, there's also you wrote a shame Hashem, and that's disrespectful to the shame Hashem if it becomes possible and now you have to be going as it. So it requires a lot of care because you have to get it right the first time. Now, in the Gemara that we're going to be looking at over here, when it starts talking about the 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 olive base and the meaning of the olive base is a very fascinating thing. Let me show you the Gemara. Uh, here we go. Show all windows. Sorry. Uh, okay, so here's the Gemara. Now look how this Gemara begins. This is that Kuftal Rama Beis and Masechtu Shabbos. I'm hoping you can all see where I'm pointing here with my pointer. Amri Le Rabbanon Le Rab Yeshua Ben Levi. The Rabbanons told Rab Yeshua Ben Levi, Asu Dardiki Ha'idna Lebei Midrasha. Children came today to uh, to shul. They came to the Beis Medrash. Amri Mili, and they said things. They taught us things that even in the days of Yeshua ben Nun, we haven't heard of things like that. And then it begins. Aleph Beis means Aleph Bina. Let's learn Torah. Gimel Dalad means Gmol Dalad. To Chesed to poor people. And we'll we'll continue in a moment. So the way the Gemara introduces this is fascinating, right? The Gemara says, "What's our source? How do we know?" The meaning of the letters of the olive base, it's not from a brisa, it's not from a tana, it's not a local mission. No, children, children came into Bismedrish and taught us how to understand the letters of the olive base, and they taught us something that even Yeshua ben Nun didn't know, right? What was that supposed to mean? So the Maharsha, the Maharsha says, says Pshat in his Gemara, and he just, his language is beautiful. I want to share his language. He says, this, these words of Gemara, asks to be explained, Venira. And I think the Pshat is Kamesh Kasafti Kwar Bakam like I've written in many places. He Isis at Tyra, the letters of the Tyra, Hain Hain Shmoisov Shalakadish Barhu. Each letter of the Tyra comprises Hakadish Barhu's name. And we're going to demonstrate a little bit of that as we go along. So the Isis at Tyra and Shmoisov Shalakadish Barhu. That's why they're called Isis. They're symbolic, and ice is a symbol. Each one symbolizes Akadosh Baruch Hu Kumashi Kasav. The Gemara says Mikdash Niten Ben Shtei Isis. The Beis Hamikdash was given between two Isis, and the the Gemara says that means that there's Hashem's name written before Mikdash, and Hashem's name is written after Mikdash. So you see that Hashem's name is referred to as an ice. So the Isis are called Isis because they represent Akadosh Baruch Hu's name. That's the way the Torah was written, the Ramban talks about this in uh, his Hagdama to the Torah, that all the letters of the Torah can be rearranged to form Hashem's name. And there are secrets, there are secrets in how they should be written and how they should be read. So once again, this is just, it, it emphasizes the, it emphasizes the, the depth of each letter of the Aleph base. And then Marshall then goes on to explain what does it have, what does this mean that it was forgotten in the days of, of Yeshua ben Nun. So he says, because we know, the Gemara says that when Moshe Rabbeinu passed away, as a result of the sadness and the confusion that happened with his death, 300 halachas were forgotten. 
What were those 300 halachas? So we know some of them because the Gemara says in Masechus Megillah that Menatzbach Soifim Amram. Menatzbach means all the end, all the end letters, all the, the Mem Sofit, the Tzadi Sofit, the Nun Sofit, all the end letters were forgotten. What was forgotten about them? How exactly they're meant to be used? We knew they existed, but we didn't know, do they go in the middle? Do they go in the end? We didn't know exactly what was the proper usage of all those end letters. And the Nevi'im came and taught us again what the purpose was. So that means in the time, the time between Moshe Rabbeinu, Yeshua, and the Nevi'im, when the Nevi'im took over, that was forgotten. So that's what he says, the Mershah explains, that the children came and they darshaned the whole alphabet, they understood the meaning and purpose of every letter. This was something that was forgotten during the time of Yeshua ben Nun, and they came and they taught it to us again. Another approach taken by some Farshim is that the Gemara Megillah says Yeshua was rebuked by a Malach because when he came and he set up camp to wage war against Yerichai, he set up camp and he was busy with um, arranging the whole encampment and he should have immediately gone to learn Torah. Torah should always come first. So he gave Musa to Yeshua and Yeshua immediately took the rebuke and started uh, learning Torah that whole night, the night before they were be- going to begin their campaign against Yerichai. So he, the Mepharshim say, that's what these children were demonstrating, something that Yeshua, so to speak, needed to be taught by Amalek, was that Aleph Bina. The first thing is always Aleph Bina, learn Tyre. That's Aleph, always comes first. That always needs to, that always needs to be put ahead and, and, and before anything else. Now, it's important to note, and that you see from this the whole Gemara and from this concept, is that a large part of what the children are teaching us is that the order of the olive bays isn't arbitrary. Meaning, in A, B, C, uh, A comes before B, and B comes before C, it's just arbitrary. There's no real meaning to it, and there's no significance to that fact. And it doesn't have any special connotation other than it's an easy way to, you have to, you have to give some kind of order so you can learn your ABCs. I mean, if anything, it's probably just based on the olive bays, right? Olive and A and B and bays. But other than that, within itself, there's no intrinsic meaning. Whereas in, uh, in the olive bays, the order means something. First of all, there's a numerical value to the olive bays. One, two, olive is one, and bays is two. So obviously that's going to be the order. But more than that, the children are teaching us the letters interact. They interact in the order, in their placement in the olive bays. Olive needs to come before bays because olive bays work together. Olive bina. Gimel needs to come before dalad because it's gemel dalad. Olive bays needs to come before gimel dalad, and so on and so forth. So it's uh, the whole... The whole way the olive base itself is constructed has very deep meaning and deep significance. Olive base as a whole is Torah as well. Now, the children said that olive base means aluf bina, learn Torah, but it could also be understood, as we just said, that aluf, number one, the first thing in every person's life should be bina, should be learning Torah. The full spelling of aluf and base, which is aluf, I'm sorry, lamid fei, base yud tof. Right, so that's six letters. That's the full spelling out of Aleph Beis. Uh, add up, if you add up each letter, what the numerical equivalent is, uh, Aleph is one, um, Lamed is 30, Pei is 80, etc. It comes out to 523. So Aleph Beis equals 523, which is the amount of prokim there are in Shisha Sidra Mishnah. So that's Aleph Bina, learn the whole Torah, which is enca- en- encapsulated in the Mishnayis, in the 523 prokim of Shisha Sidra Mishnah. Now, there's a very important thing to understand about the letters of the Aleph Beis. Almost every single letter in the Aleph Beis is really a combination of different letters. Aleph is a combination of three letters. 
there are two yuds, one on top, one on bottom, and the center bar is a vav. Okay, let me demonstrate. I'm going to show a, a little video of writing the letter Aleph. Um, Okay. So you'll see when we write the Aleph in Ashuris, we start with the top Yud, and that's written exactly like a Yud. That's the way you begin writing that letter. So that's written as a Yud. Then you write the next bar, and that bar represents a Vav. In order to represent a Vav, that's why I made that little thing on the bottom over there of, that, of the bar pointing upwards. That's like an upside-down Vav. And, and there it is, that's the bottom yud. I'm going to point now, again, this is the top yud, and it's, a, as you can see, very clearly a yud. This is the bottom yud, which is connected with a line to the center bar. This is a vav. We call it a vav, again, because we make this little schmitzik on the bottom here, this little spike sticking up on the bottom, so that when you look at it upside down, which happens to be the way you're looking at it right now, it can be perceived as a vav. So there it is, it's Yud, Yud, and Vav. So what does Yud, Yud, and Vav add up to? Yud, Yud, and Vav adds up to 26, right? So that's the Shem Hashem, that's the gematria of the Shem Havai, Yud Ke, Vav Ke, adds up to 26. And uh, Aleph, in, in general, represents many of the names of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which all begin with Aleph, right? Aleikim, Aleika, Kale, Aleph, Dalv, Nun, Yud. All those names of Hashem begin with Aleph. Aleph is a, is, a, is a letter which represents HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name. And Aleph is also representative of the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is one, he's Echad. Uh, there is an additional remez, interestingly, in the formulation of an Aleph. It's mentioned in Sefer Mogin David, which is an earlier Sefer, on uh, the ICS, he says that the letter Aleph can be flipped over and it'll still look like an Aleph. Uh, now, you might be wondering why that is, because, uh, you know, you think it'll look a little funny, but the truth is, in Halacha, it seems that the two yuds are really supposed to come pretty close together in the middle of the Aleph. But we don't tend to write it that way, because whatever, that's not the minig cipher. But halachically, essentially, the two yuds, it could be almost like an X, basically. The Aleph looks very close to an X. So if you would turn X, as you know, from letter X, right, you can turn it over and, and, and either way, and it's still an X. So Aleph is the only letter of the Aleph base that has that quality, that you turn it upside down and it still looks like the same letter. And he says that demonstrates that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Malay Kal Ha'aretz Wherever you are, wherever it is, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is there. HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence is there. That's also another significance of this aspect of Aleph. And in addition, uh, the Svarim right, this is a, comes from Zayar, that the Aleph has openings on all four sides, right? So it has, you know, it's like a, a V on the top, it's open on the top, it's open on the two sides, and it's open on the bottom. And this represents that it's not really standing on the earth, it's actually floating in the air. It's surrounded by air on all four sides. And that, again, represents that the Aleph is a heavenly letter. It's a letter that's in Shemayim, it's in, it's in the Avir, and the Zayar's Lashon is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was Mamlich Aleph over the whole world. So Aleph represents HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the, the way he rules over the whole world, Ba'achtus. Now, the fact that Aleph is combined of a Yud and a Yud and a Vav 
has relevance in halacha in how you have to write the aleph. As I was showing before, and I'm going to just bring up that screen again. Actually, I'm going to bring up a different aleph. It's a little easier to see. Okay, so if you look over here on this aleph, so you'll see that we make a point on top over here of the yud, but the bottom of this yud, we don't make it sticking out on the bottom. Now, on a yud itself, as you see with the blue circle, there's a din of a kutzeshel yud. It needs to stick out on the bottom. And we do that with the bottom yud. As you can see here, we stick it out a little bit. The top yud is a debate. The top yud, the primagodim says you should stick it out, and the minig is not to. Uh, the reason, very simply, is because if you do, it gets very, very close to the body. And if that little part that sticks out were to touch the body, it would passel, and you might have to erase the whole aleph and start over again, which is not not good or bad. That's a bad thing. So so that's why that that hasn't been so much in practice to put that kutzah yud over there. But again, it's because that this is a yud, and this is a yud, it has to resemble a yud. Because this is a vav, it has to be a resemblance to a vav, and that's why it has this thing that the arrow is pointing to, that little part that I demonstrated before that sticks up so that it should, it should create this letter above. So again, that's just the point I was trying to make before is that the significance of the letter uh, actually impacts the way the letter needs to be written. And when you look at that letter, now you should be looking at it differently. You're looking at an aleph, you'll see yod, yod, and vav. You can see a different thing. In uh, Sefer Agra de Kala, in Parshas Buchu Kaisa, this is an amazing thing, fascinating thing. He brings in the name of early Mukubalim. He said that the Aleph, when it was originally created, didn't look like our Aleph. The, the Yud and the Vav that's in the center of the Aleph were all vertical. They were all standing up straight. I'm not sure exactly how that looked. But somehow the Yuds, both Yuds and the Vav in the middle were both vertical. And then when, Ad, when Adam Rishon did his Chait, the, vav, the, the top Yud remained in stature but the Vav and the Yud were forced down to the ground. So that's why the, the Vav is halfway um, inclined, and the other Yud is sitting on the ground when it's supposed to be elevated and, and you know, uh, in, in the air, like the, like the top Yud. Then when Hashem said, and that was, when Aseris Adibus were given, when there was Matan Tayr, that was really Mesake in the Chait of Adam Rishon. Hazal say that the Zuama left Klai Yisrael, the Chait of Adam Rishon, what the Nachash put into Klai Yisrael was, was fixed. So then the Aleph reverted back to its original form. But then Klai Yisrael did the Egel, and they began with Eila Lekech Yisrael, again with an Aleph. They were Chayte with that Aleph, so again the Aleph got reverted back to its uh, slanted form with only the top Yud remaining its upright position. And he says that in Parshat Buchu Kaisai, the Pasuk says, I will let you walk you know, with your heads up, straight, with straight back, so the Rashi already brings, Chazal say, it means it's, the, it's going to be a double kaima, not just one, two. And he says that's what it's referring to. It's referring to the Aleph, that when Mashiach comes, the Aleph is going to get back its stature, and it's not going to be just one part of it is straight, but all parts of it will be kaimamiyas, will be upright. And which seems that what this is referencing to, it's referencing to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's, um, position in this world. When we say, Shema Yisrael Hashem Alekeinu Hashem Echad, so... Well, according to Wamshan Rashi, is Hashem Elekeinu. Right now, Hashem is really our God. We recognize Him. We give Him His, his uh, praise and the covet and honor, respect, 
that is due to him, but the whole world doesn't. But Hashem Echad, La'asid Labay, when Vahaya Hashem Lamel Hakala Aretz, everybody will recognize the Kaddish Baruch Hu's greatness, then Hashem will be Echad, then he'll be one in everybody's eyes. So the Aleph that will become that will be straight and represent clarity, will represent, you know, uh, openness is loss of love. That's what will happen. Every aspect of the Aleph, every aspect of a Kodesh Baruch dominion will be clear. We also mentioned before that the letter Aleph signifies MS and, and truth, and therefore it has two legs to, uh, to stand, stand on. And Isis Derbe Akiva, the Medrash that's dedicated to Aleph base, it says that the letters Aleph, Lamed, Pei, which are what spell Aleph, Aleph, Lamed, Pei, they stand for MS Lamoid Picha, teach your mouth to speak the truth. The Maharsham, Sechta Sanhedrin, says that the reason why truth and speaking truth are represented in Aleph, which is the concept of one, is because he brings this fascinating Ikrim, Sefer Ikrim. Sefer Ikrim says a story. And he says that there was someone who was a bandit, he was a burglar, a thief, and he didn't keep Torah mitzvahs, and he wanted to do tshuva, but he was finding it very difficult to be able to do tshuva and, and you know, take on the whole Torah. So he went to Tamil Chacham, and he asked the Tamil Chacham, what can I do? Give me an idea. How can I broach the sugi of tshuva? How can I get into doing tshuva with it not, as not being too difficult? So the Tamil Chacham told him, what you should do is one thing. Just accept one thing upon yourself. What? Just speak the truth. That's it. Accept that no matter what, you're going to speak the truth. So the bandit said, fine, I'll do that. So then he made up his mind the next day. He was going to, uh, he cased out a house and he was going to burglarize it that night. So he left his, his own house and he was walking and he was going to get to the job and someone bumped into him, someone he knew, and said, hey, uh, you know, where are you going? So he was about to lie. And then he realized that was my Kabbalah. I had to say the truth. So he said, well, I'm actually going to burglarize someone's house. So obviously once he said that, he desisted. So the MS eventually had the effect that it caused him to start keeping the whole Torah mitzvahs. It was a, a one way to approach keeping the whole Torah honesty and truthfulness, both externally, like in this story, but internally as well. When a person is truthful with themselves, that is a way that you can approach the keeping of the whole Torah. And that's, that's the concept of MS Lamait Picha. So now let's go to the, the letter Bez. So as the children said, the letter Bez signifies the Taira. Aleph Bina, learn Taira. Bez is Bina. And Taira, as we know, begins with the letter Bez, as in Bereshis. But I want to go in a little different aspect. Uh, Yerushalmi, in the connection between Aleph and Bez, says that Bez also demonstrates that Hashem is one. And here, let me share another video here with you. One moment. This is the letter Bays. So you begin with the top bar of the letter Bays. Whenever, by the way, I just pause for a second. Whenever you write a shuris, you always do something called a kav hamaschel. Kav hamaschel means first you outline that first line before you pull the bar. You don't just start pulling a bar. You outline the line first. This way you give it a little curve and you can make it very sharp. It's very important. We'll see in a moment that there should be sharp edges in the certain uh, the tzura of certain ICS. Anyway, the base. Well, if you'll notice already, on the top right corner of the base, 
there's a kites sticking out. There's a little piece sticking out there. That's important, as we'll see in a minute. And you pull the bottom edge of the base. And if you see there also, there's another kites, right? On the bottom leg of the base, it also extends upwards. That's another little tag or kites, it's called. And I just pull it down a little more to make sure that that bottom right corner is very sharp. Extraordinarily important by a base that the bottom right corner has to be very sharp. Then the last addition is a tag. This is, uh, this tag on top is known as, there, you know, there are five letters, uh, seven letters in, in uh, Ashuris that have three tagim. That's Shatna's gates. Shin has it, Gimel has it, Tess has it. They have three, the crown on top, that everybody's familiar with. But there are six letters that have only one crown on top, one tag, and that's Bez is one of them. Badak, Chaya is the simon, Bez, Dalat, Kuf, Ches, Yud, and He. And every single one of them has a reason and has an explanation, as we're going to say. So here, take a look at what we're going to be talking about is these two. This is the tag in the front of the base, and this is this kites in the back of the base. Now, we're, talking, we're not talking about the bottom one yet. We're talking about the two on the top. So that's what Yerushalmi talks about. So the Yerushalmi says that, that um, uh, the, the base gets asked by, I don't know, the other letters, I guess. So the base gets asked, who created you? So the Bayes uses this tag, the one in the front, to point upwards and say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu created me. So then they ask the Bayes, what's his name? And he uses this kite in the back, the one that is angled backwards to point at the letter Aleph, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created me, Echad. That's another connection between Bayes and Aleph, besides Aleph Bina, but the Beis also uses the Aleph to demonstrate that that's HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that's Hashem's name. Aleph Echad is the one who created me. Now, the reason why the Beis is asked this question, who created you and what is his name? And the morale explains this. We'll get to that in a minute. But the, the, the concept is, is because the, the letter and the numerical value of Beis, which is two, was the first application in the world of something beyond Yechidus. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is one. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Yochid. He's one and he's alone. Enoid Movadah. But when there was the creation of the letter Beis, that was the first application in this world of something beyond Achtus, something beyond the oneness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that gave a possibility for, for uh, like, like Chazal calls Shteirishayis, that there's more than one. There's more than one power, more than one thing that exists in this world outside of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. So the Bayes is the one that's asked. The Bayes is asked, wait, who created you? And the Bayes is built into the Bayes, that tag that points upwards and says, Hashem created me. And we say, what's his name? And he points backwards to the Aleph, Echad. Everything goes back to Echad. Even the Bayes represents the Achtos, which is our work in our whole lives, to understand that in as much as it seems like there's multiple powers, multiple aspects to the world, really it's Enoid Movadeh. Everything comes from Hashem, everything is supported by Hashem, everything was created by Hashem, and He gives life to everything. And Bayes, even though it seems to demonstrate otherwise, on the contrary, intrinsically, it's built into it to demonstrate that no, everything points back to Echad. The fact that the world was created with the letter Bayes, as in Bereshis, is also related to that concept. The Medrash says that all the letters were forwarding arguments. There's also an Isis to Rabbi Kiva. That all the letters were forwarding arguments why they should be chosen uh, as a letter to start the Torah with. 
But the Bayes said the winning argument. And the Bayes said, not because of something specific about him, but he said because Baruch begins with Bayes. And that's how your creations are going to praise you. They're going to say, um, Baruch Hashem Yoim Yoim. Baruch, Baruch, Baruch. They will be praising through Bayes. Therefore, you have to start with Bayes. And immediately, Akash Baruch accepted that and started the world with Bayes. So the morale, as I was mentioning before, and Tveras Yisrael explains that basically it's this concept. He says that Aleph is one, but there can be no bracha in Aleph. Aleph is just is limited to itself. Bayes is the first time something can go beyond. That's ribui. It can go beyond itself. It's double. And when Akash Baruch created the world for the sake of being mashpia bracha, for the sake of, of giving, that's why Akash Baruch created the world, as uh, the Mesil Shasharim explains in the beginning of the Mesil Shasharim, from Aleph became Bayes. The, the, wor- the world, the, the, the purpose of the world is for Bayes, so that there should be a place to be mashpia, to give bracha. And then our job is to reciprocate that and to be machzer klapemaila, to take the bracha and to return it to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and say, no, it is really all from you. And it's really all echad. So that's the way this world works. There's bays, that's riboy, that's the creation of the world. And then we take it in the form of bracha to praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu and to send that shefa back to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so to speak. Seeing the, the bracha of this world and then attributing it back to Hashem is why the world was created. And therefore, the world begins with a base. Uh, a father becomes an av when he has a child. So he goes from an aleph to an av, an aleph with a base, when he has a child. Once you can give, once you start to give, is when you get, the, 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 you get redefined as an av. The base also is comprised of different letters, but there is some question exactly what are the letters. So we'll go with the medrash, the medrash tapios, says, I'm going back to that um, video we had here before, that the base is comprised of three vavs. So the way it works is like this. One vav would be the tap bar with the tag, the front, the front tag, that's one vav. The second vav is the, the vertical line that has that kites on top, that's the second vav. And the last vav is this bottom bar that also has a kite sticking up. And that's why you have that little kite sticking up over there on the bottom, so that the bottom bar should be a vav. Now, everybody agrees that the bottom bar is a vav. The Medrash says it's three vavs, and others say that it's a dalit and a vav. The top is a dalit and the bottom is a vav. Now, the significance of three vavs, uh, according to some svarim, is that three vavs is 18, and the overall shape of a base, especially when it's like this sideways, is like a ches, that's eight. So 18 plus eight is again 26. So, so again, it references the Shem Havaya and it points everything back to HaKadosh Baruch um, If it's Dalit and Vav, then it's going to be 10, which probably represents the creation of the world, which is with 10 Mamaris, 10 spheres, etc. I didn't see that clearly, but I'm guessing probably along those lines. Um, interesting how logically, again, that again, we write it that way because it's a vav and because this is a vav and et cetera. Um, you would think that the main thing that defines a base as a base is the fact that this little piece goes beyond and sticks out over there, right? That's how we identify something as a base. But from a halachic perspective, that's not really what makes it a base. What makes it a base is the fact that this corner is square. That bottom right corner, the bottom, bottom right is a square. If that is rounded, even if everything else is nice and has all the tagam and sticking out, if the bottom is not a perfect square, then we say it's a chaf. 
That's the difference between a base and a chaf. Even if you totally don't make this part sticking out, let's say you make the base exactly like a chaf, just you made the bottom corner square, it's kosher. And likewise, if you take a chaf and you make the bottom corner square, it's a base. So that is the main part, uh, halachically, of a base, that bottom square corner. The top, if it needs to be squared, is a question. Mishabura is a suffix about it. But the bottom has to be squared. From, uh, again, the halachic way of, uh, of uh, the way the base is, is written. Um, okay, we have a little bit more time. I'll just talk a little bit about Gimel Dalit. So the Gemara says some fascinating things about Gimel Dalit, which also translate into how the Gimel Dalit need to be uh, written. Let's go back to that Gemara. So the Gemara says, um, again, I'm pointing over here. Uh, it's Aleph Bays is Aleph Bina, right? So which we said means learn Torah. Gimel Dalad is Gimel Dalam. Adu Chesed for poor people gets Gimel Dalad. And the order is also specific, like I mentioned before, that Aleph Bina comes before Gimel Dalad. First learn Torah and then do Chesed. But the way the Mepharshim explain is because a person can only truly learn and can only truly acquire the Midas of doing Chesed through the Torah. That's the only way we can start getting a concept of what chesed means, right? Before you learn about Abraham Avinu, you think you know what chesed means, but you don't even have the, 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 the beginning of understanding of what chesed means. You learn Torah, you learn about Abraham Avinu, now you know this is what chesed means, and so on and so forth. So learn Torah and then do chesed. Gimel Dalim. So now the Gemara says like this. My time of shuta kare de Gimel Lagabi Dalit. Why is it that the leg of the Gimel is extended towards the Dalit? So shekain derech darkish al chasadim because that's the the derech that people are doing chesed run after the chesed they run after opportunity to do chesed and they run after the poor people and the destitute people in order to be able to do chesed. Umay time of pshuta kare the dalad lagabi gimel and why is the dalad's leg um, slanted towards gimel the limtzele nafshei so that he makes himself available. To to uh, to get the chesed to get what it is that the Balabais is trying to give him, meaning to say, don't make yourself that difficult to find, that difficult to get a hold of, even if it's embarrassing. Do you know? Do 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 cater to the Balabais that's trying to help you. And my time a mahader ape the dal megimel. Why is it that the dal faces away from the gimel? The dal doesn't face the gimel. The dal faces that way, and the gimel faces that way. The dal faces away from the gimel. The you should give it to him privately. He shouldn't see you giving it to him. That's why we give anonymously. He shouldn't become embarrassed. Now, if I go here to the video, how this is written in Ashuris, so you'll see um, that it's actually very specific that we write it this way. We're going to write a little gimel over here. Again, we're starting with a kava maschel. We make the head of the gimel. Now that, and we make, uh, you don't have to dafka do the tagum right now. I usually do it that way. Those are the three tagum that a gimel has. And then you make the leg of the gimel. Now, if you look at the leg of the gimel, when, by the time we're done, you'll see that the leg of the gimel, it's a little hard to see from this angle, but the leg of the gimel is angled upwards. It's not straight. Now, when you look in your sitter and your chumish, 
the leg of the gimel is like flat on the floor. It's, it's level with the floor. But in, when you write the gimel in Ashuras, you angle it upwards because that's what we learn from this Gemara. The Gemara said, my time of shuta uh, carry the gimel of Abidalad. Why is it the leg of the gimel is pointed towards Dalad? So that we understand from that to mean that the bottom of the gimel needs to be angled upwards slightly to face the Dalad. We also learn the same thing about the letter Dalad. I'm just going to show you a picture of that. Um, one moment. When we write the Dalit, we angle the leg of the Dalit backwards. Again, because it is Gemara. The Gemara said, my time of Shuta raggled the Dalit. Pape Gimel, why is the leg of the Dalit facing angle towards the Gimel? So that the four person should make himself available to the, to the person who's trying to do chesed. So that's how we write a Dalit. We make it at a slight angle, again, to be Mikhaim this Gemara. So again, the meaning of the letters is very much reflected in the way we need to write the letters. Uh, and Adal also is one of the letters that has a little tag on top, but we don't have time to go into the meaning. Maybe Mir Um Next month, I'll give a continuation share. We can go on to the, the next, some more letters at Alves, which is uh, very fascinating and a ton to learn from them. Have a good night.